Everybody, welcome to another installment of Show to View with Mike G, the show of life, the show of Robinson, Texas, UNT, food, food, food. Today's guest is the amazing, he's humorous, he's hilarious, he's intelligent, really fun to spend time with, Brandon Watson of the Austin Chronicle, the food editor there. We talk about a lot of different things, we sip some whiskey. It's interesting how big the food industry has become from a blog and a writing perspective. So many new restaurants opening up in Austin, so many new bars. It, it is this amazing renaissance of culinary creations, and Brandon gets to sit and taste most of these amazing things, but then ironically has a heart problem, which we talk about a bit. So if you ever really wanted to land your dream job, give a listen to this chat with Brandon. He tells you kind of how it unfolded, and it always starts with a love of food. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this chat with food editor of the Austin Chronicle, Brandon Watson. Like, um, I had a heart attack really young. Um, wow, how young were you? Like, I was 40 when I had the heart attack. Wow. Um, so just... Uh, uh, a year and a half ago or so you do so first thing is that that is i'm i have this look of shock and awe because yeah you don't look old man good yeah. work on that oh yeah, you know uh, botox and, <laughs> um gray beard of, that's lots I mean. of other stuff yeah. yeah um yeah so um it, it was just kind of a scare like um um yeah, just anytime you've had like heart problems they just keep you in the hospital forever and you're stuck like Eating that hospital food and being uh, like people taking blood every four hours, and it's just God. a miserable experience for everyone involved. Would uh, you know, if you had a near death experience, or if I somehow had been, uh, you know, like those old silent movies, if I'd been tied up and put on a railroad track, I'd love to detail what that felt like. But tell me what the, I have no idea yet, yet, mind you, what that yeah. would feel like <laughs> to, to have a heart attack. What is what the, uh, Describe that. I've never talked to anybody about that before. You know, it's really like, it's it's really hard to describe. I just um, woke up one day. Um, it was about, um, I don't know, maybe 10, 30, 11, not mm-hmm. too late at night. And um, I just felt like something was wrong. I really couldn't lift myself up with my arm. Wow. I didn't know what at all. Like, I didn't have chest pain. I just felt like really weird. So I kind of like stumbled over to my neighbor's house, um, just asked them to call 911. And the rest of it's kind of a blur. I mean, it just kind of, you know, you see ambulance lights and um, you go through, (laughs) you're lying flat on your back and, you know, watching all those fluorescents in the hospital. So it is like the movies. I mean, except, you know, you don't go, you don't don't (laughs) hold your chest and... I mean, I guess some people feel pain, but I yeah. but I didn't feel any pain, and the, it's like a general weakness, I guess you could say. Um, yeah, like a real big weakness, um, like um, just like 
Yeah, I don't know. It was the That's weirdest so, feeling. Like yeah. I just knew something was wrong without wow. knowing what it was. And, and you so the thing is is you look like you're in pretty good shape. You look like you're you you don't look very old. It looks like you take care of yourself. So do you have some predisposition to like heart issues? Or? Um, I mean, I um, I smoked for a really long time, oh, okay, and okay. that didn't help. But um, um, my cardiologist thinks it has something to do with something called Kawasaki's disease, which grows nodes on your arteries, okay. um, and that makes it a lot more likely for plaque to form, as I understand okay. it. Okay. Um, and they're a lot more narrow towards my heart um, than they should be. So um, it has something to do, I think, with that. That's his current theory. I mean, my cardiologist is kind of obsessed with my case because he's not what? sure why I had he's a heart attack. He's taking a liking to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I wasn't like doing an almost famous and blowing <laughs> rails right before. Like, I, you know, I had just gone to eat, had a couple drinks. And yeah. I mean, they, he really couldn't figure it out. But. Um, Kawasaki disease, maybe. Interesting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it it does sound fancy. Uh, yeah, it really does. Um, I, I mean, that's like a Japanese disease. There's not that many of them. And I like that it takes. You know, like I wasn't the cause with smoking and bad eating, oh, and drinking. Good point. It was or heartbreak. It was, it, was, <laughs> <laughs> it was this childhood disease. I'm not culpable at all. <laughs> You're like. Doc, you, you sign off. Yeah, I'm tweet yeah. This. Like, it's I not like my lifestyle. Like it is not my lifestyle. <laughs> and the it's almost like ironic. It's I, I go I go back and think about this because well one because Futurama referenced it, but two I love the Twilight Zone. But everybody, all that Burgess Meredith wanted was time to read his books. Right, that's all he wanted. So then civilization ends. He's got all the time in the world, all the books. He breaks his glasses, and then he can't read the books. So to me, why I say this is that you've got this amazing position at least as i perceive it to be in the middle and at the high intersection of all the great food stuff going on in austin you get i'm sure you get invited to the soft openings you get to try things on the house all the time but yet you have what may be a, a, you know a, a crippling heart problem like what did, <laughs> is it not like the, the pure essence of irony to That's, you? Um, you know i'm not being it, bleak i promise i think it's a well, great thing it just I mean, when it first happened, it was just, they told me to drastically change. Were you a food writer then? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Because um, it would be funny if in reaction, like, you know what, fuck you guys, I'm becoming a food writer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it was it's like, we like, didn't see that coming. <laughs> we didn't see that coming at all. I, I just, I told my cardiologist, I was like, I don't know that I can do this because part of my job is eating fatty food and oysters and, yeah. you know, drinking and like, that's all part of my job. And um, he let me slide a little bit as long as I stayed not smoking. That was his big, okay. big, that big makes thing. Some sense, do though. not smoke. And it, it impairs your ability to taste. It really does. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? Really, really really does and you know it's kind of gross anyway so a little a bit deal. there's some yeah. sexiness to it cigars how about that so don't inhale a cigar doesn't ruin your taste buds too, I mean, too much that's true that's true did you ever think that this is kind of how things were going to end up for you that you were going to be part of the elite uh, i mean you know you just i just stumbled and uh, the job completely it was <laughs> <laughs> i got back from bar flies i like literally well, stumbled into the job literally and they were like do you want to do it i'm like hey, hey. All right. 
Um, <laughs> sure. I, I mean, it, it's really weird because I, I don't know, like three years ago, I was working as a product manager. For, oh, really? Yeah, doing In, um, lighting control sensors. And, no kidding. Yeah. You were doing DMX controlling stuff too, were you? No. Okay. Um, yeah, a little just, more technical, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just the lighting um, controls, like infrared, all that that kind of lighting yeah. control. But um, yeah, so I was a product manager and, you know, you just got to that point when every Sunday, um, you know, if you didn't do brunch and get loaded, you <laughs> just really dreaded um, the Monday following you know, I like up. it. Sunday being the amuse bouche or the well, palate cleanser of the weekend. It right? was just like I, I just didn't want want to do that job anymore. How long was, were you doing that? Oh, we'll, we'll circle back like for like to school and stuff, but like a couple years were you doing? It? Well, several years with the company, like seven years in various capacities. Okay, um, but yeah, I was with that company in a while for a while. And an Austin was, company or it was Austin. Okay, yeah, cool. um, well, based in Austin, um, it's an international company, but. Um, then I just, um, there was an opening at the Chronicle in the news section. Um, so I took that, um, mostly, um, I'd always kind of grown up. My, um, aunt and uncle owned a really tiny newspaper in Crosbyton, Texas for a long time. And summers I used to work on that. And it was like always the highlight of my summer when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. And it was really Really exciting and Did you um, say Crosbyton? Crosbyton, Texas. That's almost yeah. hard to say. Yeah, it's a little I mean, it's hard to hard to be in that town. Where is that yeah. where you grew up? Um because you're a Texan from what I understand at least. Right? I, I am a Texan. No I, prejudice if you weren't, it's not a problem. <laughs> I'll kick you out of the house or anything. I'm not a Texan, so I didn't Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely but. a Texan. I okay. um, grew up um, partially in the panhandle yeah. and partially um, in a little rural town outside of Waco. Called what? Which one? Um, Robinson. Okay. I'm not familiar, but I was just in yeah. Waco. How, how is the, that culturally and socially growing up in what sounds like a small town? Maybe. Oh, yeah. Town. Yeah. Always small. Small towns. I mean, it was... Uh, it was... Uh, <laughs> 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 I mean, a little different for like, uh, like a weirdo kid. I don't know. I didn't... It, Rural, I mean, I like the countryside, yeah. and I like all that, and um, I kind of grew up, like, uh, around farms and farming and sure. all that sort of stuff. What so, did your folks do? Uh, my uh, mom was a nursing home administrator, okay. and my dad was a probation officer. See, but, it sounds like you're, you're like, you, could you, were you allowed to get in trouble? Well, um, uh, it just, uh, I see, I feel like it's the, and I know probation <laughs> officers are slightly different, but like the steel fist of authority. It just kind of feels like it. Is that, well, you know, I was, I was a bad, bad kid. Really? Like, what is, what does yeah, that mean though? Uh, well, it meant like, so the first football game, freshman, um, Freshman year, I just um, decided to go to a kegger. Didn't tell my parents. Um, <laughs> That's not that bad so far. Well, so far. I mean, then it you know progresses to like crime and <laughs> um, I blew up a post. Office. Well, no, I just uh, got involved in an unfortunate um, like I guess it's not a robbery with guns, but like. Like a breaking in B and E, yeah, kind of. That's what that's what they theft. call it inside. That, yeah, okay, yeah. Um, Man, and your yeah. dad must have been like, he was not cool with. 
<laughs> this is freshman of high school. Um, that was, that was senior the theft. Oh, okay, but yeah, it was it was a long four years. Well, but then that's parents. what happens, right? Like <laughs> Salt Lake City. I lived, I lived in Salt Lake City for some time. It's a very va- It's a vacuum, not a morality, but a vacuum of stuff you can do. You can hardly even get loaded in public, right? You're not even allowed to. So what are you gonna do? How do you take out this aggression or all this kind of pent up energy if there's nothing to do? And that's when straight edge kids started stabbing each other. <laughs> yeah, there. So what do you do, right? Like, I I don't blame you. I mean, you you do some drugs and you drink a lot. Yeah. And you just sort of drift through, drift through high school, and then you. But you, your... but you. So, but you. Is the football game kind of the kernel of the whole social scene in those towns? If if I've learned anything uh... from Friday Night Lights, that's what. It... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess it was. I mean, you, everyone went to it, regardless if they were, like, they were either in band or playing yeah. or just watching. Like, yeah, everybody sort of. That was the thing. That, that was the thing. And then you went to, like, you know, have pizza or whatever, went to a house party afterwards. But that was kind of, yeah, yeah, high school were, social life. Were aspirations to either write or to get the hell out of that city where they kind of building pretty quickly in high school? I mean, yeah, get the definitely get the hell out. Um, and yeah, I, I was um, it's funny that I wound up in journalism because that was the that was the high school goal was journalism. That's what I'm gonna do. Why? I, I don't How know. I, I mean, it I guess seemed like it had merit still then. But maybe yeah, not so much now, but. Uh, I think it seemed exciting, like you're and I really had like, this was like the, you know, the 90s, so pre-internet and like, I had no real clue about the world. Like, yeah. My parents really um, never traveled that much, really? a little bit in the States. So um, journalism, it seemed like this way to see like... A gateway even, into the rest yeah. of the world, right? Yeah. yeah and I don't okay. even know if I thought internationally, I was like, oh, New York or something <laughs> yeah. like that. That was, you know, that's what I thought it, it would be. And um, it, journalism didn't wind up being a gateway into the world. <laughs> it wound up being very local. Stuck somewhere. to a desk, as I hear some of it. <laughs> Somewhat, yeah. So when you got out of high school, did you have... So journalism, I, I presume if you're saying, well, I really want to enter journalism. And it, there's always many paths, right? Mm. But did you say, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that whole college thing. I'm going to go and get the degree and be authorized, more or less, to be a journalist. Yeah, I took, uh, took a couple classes and then I weirdly switched to fashion design. Somewhere. Really? Yeah. Where'd you go to school? Um, I went to Baylor and University of North Texas. Oh, okay. Yeah. UNT is when you switched switched to fashion, I presume. Well, Baylor actually. Really? <laughs> do they have a fashion program? <laughs> they do. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Baylor has a weird fashion program. <laughs> is it all just like matronly? Like, like just to um, put, I'm just giving Baylor shit. I promise. I <laughs> mean, you can give Baylor all the shit. They um <laughs> they like want you to work for J C Penney. I think oh, like okay. they it's a very practical program. Yeah. At Baylor, very J C Penney. That's the that that seems pretty pragmatic. It's it's very pragmatic, but I don't know. I don't know if anyone goes to fashion design to be I don't know making like you know you know Walmart doesn't have enough of this this thing. <laughs> yeah, I want to design that thing that Walmart needs. Like, nobody want, thinks about that. You want like the glamour yeah. and all that sort of stuff, but uh, yeah. So, so what took you then to UNT? Um, then I, I, I switched over to English somewhere, um, somewhere in that, um, that point. Mm-hmm. And, um, mostly I went to UNT to finish up because of, um, money because Baylor is so 
incredibly expensive. expensive. Did you have any so. scholarships or anything? Um, no, no, not after that high school. I did not have. Oh, that's right. I did not. Sorry, I'm not judging you. I just like. Wait, wait. I did not have any scholarships. Um, <laughs> I had a couple of grants and everything. My grades were halfway decent, but a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of loans and. Um, uh, I, no, I feel. Yeah. yeah. Let's commiserate for a second. Yeah. Yes. It sucks. Damn it, fucking love. It's the worst. It's the worst. It's the worst. But it's all right. We're here, right? Um, We're drinking bourbon. You're, yeah, you're a yeah. food writer. You, so you end up at UNT. Did, ultimately, did you wrap it with an English degree or yeah, journalism? Yeah, 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 with English. Um, English and about how old were you at that point? Did I did the six-year plan. I don't know about you. Um, I, how old was I when? Like 23. Oh, that's pretty good. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. so did, did you feel like you were starting to get your taste of culture and worldliness at that point? And not, not, I, I guess a little bit. I mean, definitely like once I was out of Waco, like there's a lot different kind of people. And, um, UNT seems like a nice hub of yeah, interesting, you know, a lot of artistic types and music's huge. There. Yeah, there was a great music Rubber scene Gloves back is a cool then. Spot. Yeah. Right. Um, there was a kind of fantastic sort of avant-garde art scene going on at really? that time. Yeah. Was Spoon coming up at that point? I think that's... Um, I think it was a little before. Okay. Maybe. Um, Everybody maybe thinks like, they're an Austin band, but they actually... Yeah, maybe kind of like band. when they were first, 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 yeah. first doing music. But I don't know. <laughs> Did New York come into the mix yet? Because you're thinking there's fashion, there's writing. I mean, like honestly, to me, I mean, it seems like you're building a resume. York, but... yeah. I've been yeah. to New York. <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, not through not through journalism. Actually, with my product manager job, I actually traveled a lot more than. See, is that did strange? Journalism. It's but... like you, the creative endeavors don't give you as much leeway yeah, as. The, well, I mean, they can, right? But... I I work for a very local paper yeah. and covering a very local scene, so it's. Um. Yeah. I At don't. least it's a thriving one. And it, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting scene. Um. It's a scary scene right now. I would say. Why is uh, that? Um. The volatility th- of the market oh, and it's revenue and very stuff. Very volatile. I think a lot of people. Um. Just. Um. Uh, I think they opened too many restaurants at one time. Oh sure. Yeah. Now we're now we're seeing that all crumble. Right. Uh, um, Metal's done. Finn and Porter's done. Right. Finn and Porter after yeah several years. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, the the one that oh, geez the Armagnac heavy wine heavy one Arrow Arrow yeah, you're right done? yeah Arrow is done um, Congress last year Levy oh, that's right. yeah um, oh Levy oh yeah that's right Levy. yeah yeah that's yeah. A, I mean this is a big shuddering kind of year oh I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I'd never seen that before not not in this this kind of breadth you know right? yeah I mean there was a lot of shutters um, I wasn't living here but um, when the big bank crash in oh, yeah. the 80s. Like, a lot of stuff closed then, apparently. But uh, Did you live in Denton a while after you graduated? Or did you um, move out of there? I lived there for, like, a year, kind of floating around and yeah. hanging out, not really doing anything. and then Just I, living the life? I mean, yeah. I mean, it's such an easy city to it, live in. Like, yeah. it's so cheap. Most everything's free, if you know bartenders. Absolutely. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to, you know, that's it's a hard one to leave. Like, it's hard, hard when to, you get that stuff, right? Yeah, and it's hard to start adulthood when you're just like, <laughs> when you don't really, you know, you're paying $300 for your apartment and yeah. you don't have to really do anything. It's it's really hard to, hard to leave that. But eventually I... 
moved to Dallas, and then I didn't really do anything there. So I, I don't think anybody Austin. does. Wait, so what were you doing? Why Dallas? We get a gig down well, there? Well, I don't know. I just... Um, uh, you heard it was a place. I don't know. It was a place. A buddy of mine got a house, and I just moved in, and... and um, I was like working in a vintage store for a little <laughs> bit. And vintage clothing, vin- vintage, vintage, vintage clothing. Oh, nice. Um, and um, yeah, just wasn't doing anything until I moved to Austin and was like, yeah, I guess I better do something. When did you end up moving here? Career. Uh, let's see. I've moved, been here, I guess, about 11 years wow. now. So yeah. I'm going to do the math. So 2004 ish? Yeah, somewhere in there. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Did you find that Austin, I mean, at least for me, because I moved around a lot when I was younger. We lived in a lot of different places. And Austin became the place where it all just kind of made sense, finally. You know, I like some of the places. Houston's okay. Mm. You know, Salt Lake City was cool in its own right. But there's something about Austin that everything became, it just came into focus. I was like, this is the place where you can do something. I mean, I I don't know if I um, felt it then, like when I first moved. I mean, I, I like a lot of people. I think you get really washed up and like, you know, being a tourist in your own town. Yeah. And like when I first moved, like within a week, AC was going to ACL and <laughs> you know, and just going right. out a whole bunch and like, um, I don't know. It just it's a nonstop party in Austin. I mean, can be. It's It's hard, right, to draw that line. It's hard to grow up in Austin. It's hard to be a grown up in Austin. And um, yeah, it was. um, Yeah, that's a you know that's a really good point. I hadn't thought of like how much of a Neverland it can be. You know where you can get cheap rent. Now rents uh, debatable. Now it's you know I was reading something today. It's like going to keep increasing and keep increasing, which is fine. It's fine. But that's the thing with Austin is that it's got two two really big options, two big paths. There's no ceiling, so you can do kind of anything you want to, want to start an app. Fine. Want to have a startup? Want venture capital? Good. It's all there, right? Mm. You can do as much as you possibly want, or you can do as little mm. as it fucking takes to get by. And that's a hard place because how do you navigate that? I mean, was it difficult for you to say like, man, well, at some point get into gear like so that maybe the probation father's like man you know well i mean it really had to get into gear because when i moved here i just moved here and i had some had some savings so i don't know the first four months i, I just had had fun just had some money yeah. i oh, just, got it, okay. just had fun i didn't work um and then you know, started running out of that uh, money. As it does. And, as it happens. Uh, started, you know, <laughs> having a credit card bill. Oh, yes. I was like, I need a job. So <laughs> that's how I kind of stumbled on the, like, um, company that did the lighting sensor. So seven years, you said, approximately? Seven, there. seven years. Um, how was it being, how was it socially? Did you, did you know people in Austin? Was there something that you kind of, because it sounds like you immediately, like, you took to it. You had places to go, things to see. Yeah. have a problem adapting. I mean, it's really, for, that's one thing that, you know, everyone talks about new and old Austin, but I think that's one thing that never really has changed about Austin is its yeah. friendliness, and it's really easy to um, just pick up and move here, and, you know, you'll have friends in a couple weeks, um, yeah. or at least acquaintances. I mean, you'll have someone to talk to and someone to go out with. And, For sure, yeah. Um, that's that's a remarkable thing about Austin that you don't really see, especially when you move to a city as an adult. Um, you don't see that. and I don't know. I don't know that there is any other city where it's that easy. I don't. To, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I don't know that I've experienced that either. I mean, 
you can find a circle pretty quick. Pretty quick. Whether it's yeah. food, whether it's tech, whether it's bars. I mean, I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. Good or bad, right? Like it's kind of a mix. And th- this is something too. And you know, if you don't want to talk about this, it's totally cool. But I remember just recently, like South by, I think you said something, some sentiment to the the fact that like. I don't know when you came out or any of this stuff or that's public knowledge, but it has to be. You put it on Facebook. It's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, Was that, did, when did that enter the journey? I mean, like being a, a gay man is not an easy thing, but it's easier in Austin, I think, I don't, than it I, is in Waco, I would imagine. Yeah, it's not, uh, it's not really difficult at all in Austin. I mean, there's a huge social scene built around it. And, yeah. I mean, it's there. I don't really partake in it all that much, but it's it's. What's well, funny because you think like I, you know, as if I've got plenty. Of, you know, I say this and it's so cliche, but I've got plenty of gay friends and like they all, it's all different, right? Yeah, yeah. Being gay is no different than being straight. Like Real you course, can still yeah. be a dick yeah. being straight. Like you can yeah. still party all the time. Yeah, and still yeah. be really, really <laughs> lascivious. Like there's no, there's no fine, no parameters. Right, if you will, right. You know, yeah, yeah. But that it, it seems like it was. Definitely, I probably I bet Denton was probably okay, right? Yeah, Denton Denton was fine as long as um, you kind of there. There's a little bubble, like if you're a college student there, you don't really see most of the town. You just kind of you go to rubber gloves right. and you go to you know the bars across from the school, and you know it's you're in a bubble and it's a liberal arts school, and you're yeah. just like ah, blah, 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 like. Yeah, I, I mean, it was vastly different. Like being gay in a tiny town is not not the coolest thing on earth. I mean, it's um, probably why I was like involved in like drinking and all that that yeah. sort of like performative um, stuff. But is it kind of to is it to demonstrate that like. I'm just like everybody else, or is it to demonstrate uh, to deal with you're it? You're not gay. Like, yeah. uh, I, see. I mean, in that time, it was like, you know, like even, it, I mean, the 90s when I graduated, it's just totally different now. Um, like, even in a town like Waco, yeah. I mean, opinions have vastly changed and there's representation, but there wasn't really um, any of that growing up. Yeah. So, like, most. Most gay guys in that period, I mean, kids come out at like 12 nowadays. Yeah, or, that's, which is amazing. Which is remarkable. Yeah, yeah, it's remarkable. But, you know, there was, it's it's a very different um, experience. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a generational divide, even like um, guys like 10 years younger than me. Yeah. Like it's, um, they didn't necessarily have that like. Growing up where you had to be so secretive about it and where the closet was like a, a reality for every game. Yeah, group. it's so strange to me to, to, to think about that. What What is this implicit tension all the time? Like an interest, yeah. it's basically like living a double life that you can't tell other people about and there's nothing wrong with it, right? Like that's the thing that's so strange is it's almost like having to live with something that other people find so sordid and illicit, but it it's not, right? Like and I can't, I can't, I can't. I can only empathize, but I can't really relate, you know, but it's, it is, I, I just can't imagine what it's like being in a small town, having to kind of just closet that stuff. You know? Yeah. And it's not even, you know, like with me, it wasn't even action. I wasn't like, you know, do, dating anyone. I was yeah. <laughs> like yeah. making out underneath the bleachers or anything. <laughs> like it, it was just like, it was oh. like pitch perfect is what you're saying. I mean, yeah, it's just like, you know, like they can see right through me. I don't know. It's like you learn to, 
learn to lie a lot. I mean, it's like this despicable thing that teaches you to lie all the time. And it's, um, I'm glad kids aren't, I mean, there are kids, obviously. There's like podunk Mississippi towns where oh, I'm sure man. the it's gotta be tough. people are still going through these same things. But um, it's heartening to see how how different it is from from back then. Yeah. It's pretty do you amazing. have any siblings? I do. I have um, two brothers. Younger or older? Um, one older, one younger. Did they, were you guys pretty close? No. Um, no. <laughs> not, <laughs> no. Not, not particularly close. Just into um, different stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I'm one, uh, my younger brother was uh, much younger. So, oh, okay. Um, he was um, like ten years younger than oh, me, wow. so we kind of have stuff in common y- early on. Anyway. Yeah, um, I don't know. Maybe Saved by the Bell was our our commonality. Um, <laughs> still, it, it's still good. It's, it's still, still good. It's it still great. Uh, <laughs> and uh, my older brother was just like, um, yeah, just completely and different. Like, I don't know. Like, he was really into metal and mm-hmm. like knives and i don't know he kind of sounds like <laughs> knives like a parody when you <laughs> say, <laughs> say, say <laughs> see that movie paradise lost that documentary oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's yeah, what yeah. i think of but I those mean, kids were cool but they're still strange into slayer and knives which is yeah not- my brother was like that except into slayer and the knives and a total nerd so it uh, wasn't okay. yeah he wasn't like you know like a rocker cool he was right. just like you know, pissed off in his bedroom listening to Molly Crew or whatever. Um, <laughs> Which is weird because it just makes you more pissed off because you're listening to Molly Crew. Um, it's this continuum <laughs> sitting in your room. Vince <laughs> Neil has that effect on people, I promise. It, it, it's true. And <laughs> I, I was kind of into like, I don't know, more like punk and new wave music. Yeah. And he just thought it was like really bizarre. So Just didn't get it, I guess, right? I don't know. I, I didn't really get it either. I was just, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Was, folks, cool. Uh, folks cool with it? Um, yeah, they weren't back then. Um, probably still not 100% comfortable with it. Um, they're much better than, yeah. Because times have changed. I imagine yeah. even the, since the narrative and kind of the paradigm of the world has shifted, right. the, the, you can't help but be affected by that. You know, that's why it's good about these younger kids, right? Is that because the narrative has changed and because just the air of acceptance has changed? Because it's like, who gives a shit? That's like where I'm at with it, right? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, I think that that's a great thing because kids are just like, it doesn't matter to them now. They don't see it as being anything different. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, that's, that is very, very, very cool. Cool to see and a little weird. It um, is weird. Yeah. Well, you know, 90s period, it was like tribes. Everything was tribes. Yeah. Even the music you listened to, you could listen to one music, but not the, you know, the next so music. so true, yeah. Like, it was still like Chevy versus Ford was still Fucking a thing right. in the yeah. 90s. And like, yeah, it's so it's so different to see like all across the board that just, just like dissolved. I mean, yeah. obviously because of the internet, um, Good and bad at the yeah. same time, right? It, yeah. It's yeah. dissolved journalism in a sense, right? Yeah. Decentralized it at least. Yeah, definitely. So, all right. So you're in Austin. Things are going very well. It seems like you've got it. You're take, taking to people. You find this gig doing some technical work with this company for seven years. At that point, did you, you've got this kind of probably looming thought. Like, did, were you writing uh, 
as a hobby, like during that period, like yeah, in a blog or anything? I didn't have a blog, but uh, occasionally I would freelance. Um, what um, kind of industries? Um, I the first gig was with Austin Fit magazine. Oh yeah, okay. I was writing okay. like Does that make you feel bad all the time because I look at that magazine like I those don't, fucking people. Yeah, I, uh, yeah <laughs> sorry, they're, but... they're really really. Fit. Yeah, um, a little too um, fit for me. A little too fit, a little yeah. Too fit, yeah. Well, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't writing about, like, fitness, thank goodness, because yeah. that would have been idiotic for me to, <laughs> to, like, try to write about. I was writing, like, little short music reviews. Okay. And, um, the arts. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, and, yeah, food, I actually barely wrote about food before i came the food editor when i say i stumbled into it like it was it yeah. was a stumbling i still, <laughs> I still think of bar flies i think of some whiskey involved and all that you know but <laughs> but so it, so but it seems like yeah and this is a common theme like on these conversations i have with people it's like they do these random things they mm. seem like this random constellation in the sky mm. with no order no form but then like as you start kind of focusing in it all just leads you down this path eventually, and you chip away. Yeah. And so, tell me, were they they put an ad on Craigslist? Did they put something on social? How did you actually get introduced with the Chronicle? Um, well, the Chronicle, um, I was doing a little freelance before the um, before the um, job opened up. With, who, and who um, was the pre- whose job was this? That kind of transition was it somebody or was it a new new job um the food editor yeah yeah so with the food editor um that was virginia, virginia Wood. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah and virginia is just this like grand dame of austin food um she was the food editor for 17 years she wrote for um the chronicle for 20 something years she um Used to supply pastries in this town, like oh, very okay. early to a lot of places. Um, she was a pastry chef at like Fonda San Miguel. Wow, I didn't know. That. Um, just she has this long storied career, and um, she um, was. Um, I, I I think she wanted to focus on writing more, and decided mm. that the day to day of like editing was just. Um, Probably, I don't know, like, wasn't as fun, probably. Yeah, it's it? probably yeah, a little, what's the word, tactical. Like, you just yeah, have to keep um, doing it, that. And it's stressful, and you, you know, you can't really, it's, uh, it, it, um, to be in a position to write, um, like, yeah, just write is, yeah. is awesome, and yeah, she's so. certainly earned earn that so I, I had done a few pieces for the food section before that time um and that we're talking what that's just within the past couple of years yeah just just past couple of years and um the main reason i think that anyone knew i um like knew about food and was interested in food is we had um a group of editors um, that always went to lunch every day. Um, oh, really? One of one of those p- persons was a managing editor, and oh, okay. um, so so I you would, got your name thrown. The well, I would always give my opinions on restaurants. I would oh. always be very um, vocal about what was going on in food. Yeah. And, and th- once um, Virginia decided to step down and um, become a staff writer before she retired, they were. Um, they were like, "Do you want this job?" I mean, it was it was <laughs> oh. just really, really all of a sudden. Did like, you say you would taco or job? 
God, taco. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was. I mean, I actually thought I was in trouble. Like it was a Monday morning. And, really? Well, I mean, my managing editor was like, Louis Black wants to speak with you. <laughs> oh, that that is that that makes it seem a little more. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, he's you know <laughs> it, it, he's the one of the owners of the. Did Chronicle. he sound happy? Did he sound happy? Was he mad? Like I yeah, asking I, myself I, I all had these no idea. I was yeah. like, what what is it about? She was like, <laughs> just wait, just wait, and so um, yeah, all of a sudden. They were like, "Do you want to do this?" I was like, "Yeah, of All course. Right. Why would, why would anyone turn that down? Yeah. Like that would be idiotic." Um, and yeah, it was just like a really, really shock, and it's like sort of like a new chapter. It sort of changed oh, my life and just like everything. Sort of, I don't know, like from my friends to like almost everything. It's like this it's whole right? different world. Wait, yeah. How long have you been doing it now? Um, about two years now. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Okay, so two years is the food the the head. Is it anything? Be what's the the title officially? Food editor. Food editor. Food editor. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And in that time, even I'm sure you've seen a lot of different things happen. A lot of different food things happen. We talked about some of the shutterings, of course. Yeah, it's well. I mean, food things. There's this huge beer explosion yeah. happening in Austin yeah. right now. Um, a huge spirits explosion happening and. Um, is that good or bad? You think? I, I I think it's good now. Yeah. Like um, most of it's quality. Most of it are um, people that aren't. You know, they just are really concerned about the product yeah. and giving local choices. And um, yeah, I think it. I think it is a really good thing. I mean, the beer thing. I think uh, there's it some feels like it's getting pretty saturated. Yeah. yeah. No pun intended. Um, with like but. Oscar Blues moving into town and all that. Yeah. That sort of stuff. That's feeling a little saturated, but there's still like you know Christine Sellis just introduced. That's right. To, yeah. Like she's back in the scene, so it's it's still really exciting. Um, even if it is, uh, I mean that's the thing. Even the restaurant scene, it may be saturated, but it's also really exciting. Good, cool thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's always like new, interesting. Things to keep you from, you know, kind of being jaded. I mean, it's really easy to be jaded as much as I eat out every yeah. week. But, um, but it's up to you in a sense to like kind of keep people pot because you you know you're in an interesting spot. It's a very influential spot in a lot of ways. Do you ever feel like there is a pressure on on you on your shoulders to be a little bit above it, a little bit above maybe what is this kind of base level? People griping about shit and people giving you shit about Singapore rice or whatever the hell that whole thing was. <laughs> Which, you know, fuck it, man. Like, they're talking about schmaltz in an article, like a rebuttal, and it's like chicken fat renderings. I'm like, this is just, take it offline. This is way too detailed. But at any rate, like, do you feel pressure being in that position? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's um, a, a large part of my job is reviewing places, yeah. and you have. You know, I think a lot of maybe the general public thinks that um, food reviewers just really want to tear restaurants yeah. down. I, I mean, I, th I, I think a lot of people feel that way. And I, I just have so much um, respect for, I mean, everyone who works in it from the decorator to the architect to the chef to, yeah. you know, to the servers to everyone in the entire operation. Um you know, it's all people who work very, very, very hard at what they do. Yeah, and I mean, at the very base level, to open up anything, 
massive pain in the ass. You gotta yeah. be persistent and you gotta be somewhat organized. Yeah, somewhat, somewhat. yeah, and you have to put in a lot of lot of lot of sweat equity and a lot of mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 a hard thing to do to open a restaurant. Um so just to be glib, you know, as as a reviewer, you try like it's yeah, again, I grew up in the 90s, like it's the decade of snark, like that's in my <laughs> yeah. in my veins, but I really try not to, you know, be snarky for snark's sake when sure. I... Try to be ne- even-handed, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. When I give a negative review, it's to be like, hey, you're in trouble with these things, yeah. and if, you know, you fix some of these things, and you'll probably have a more successful business, like... Um, or maybe I don't know if yeah. like, you know that's and that's what's behind my thoughts is just like these are, these are things that may cost you business in the long hand and yeah. may cause you to close in a crowded market. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to. Um, yeah, it's it's, it's difficult. It's hard. To it's, you yeah. got because you got to be nice. You got to be mean. You get to, it's an interesting balance. So we'll take a brief tangent here and we'll talk about. Mm. I, I love seeing what people will pick off my shelf. Sometimes I'm dead on. Like industry dudes, the guys that are like really been in it and have worked in various levels, always old charter. That's what they just tried and true, and I love it. I love it about them. <laughs> but you pick something that's slightly more nuanced, which I love, and this is the Elijah Craig 23 year. This is a single barrel, and I think you have to correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the proof's somewhere around 47. It's handwritten on the front there. I haven't memorized. Sorry, guys, I haven't memorized that proof. Oh, handwritten on the front. Yeah, or maybe it isn't. Maybe it might be printed. The proof on there. Somewhere on there. Proof, proof, proof 90. 90. Good. So 45%. Old as shit. It's leathery. Heaven Hill. There's mm. darker notes. What do you think? You you've had, you had seem like you're a whiskey dude. What do you think of the 23? I think it's um, delicious. And, um, <laughs> you know, I... If you were going to write about it, what would you I, 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 It's really <laughs> hard to write about spirits. Yeah. Much more than than food um and you know that's definitely an area that i want to like educate myself a lot more on that like i always want to take classes it's fun Um, yeah it's fun and it's something i mean food food you can just sort of learn about food through the process of eating Mm -hmm. if you're a you know, an eater and a cook, you know about food and, right. uh, you know, you you get expertise that way. But alcohol, you really don't get expertise it's by hard. drinking. I mean, you get the opposite. You're totally right. Well, with, right. So there's two yeah. things, right? One is that if in any way the label is meant to fool you, which happens sometimes, then that's already taking away one layer from the truth. So one drink, good. Two drinks, okay. Three okay it's four yeah. and you're right to your point like you get farther and farther away right from being attached to the details that are in the spirits because you're too fucking drunk right so it is it's an interesting thing it's very hard and like even when you spit this stuff out like if you drank 20 spirits mm. you're still gonna get mildly drunk even yeah yeah out, you know? you, you'll still do that and, and you know there's a whole language with with beverages that's not you know it's not salted yeah. <laughs> it's, not, yeah. it's not salt and fat which you know that's right. even, that's even right. the fanciest food it's it's basically salt and fat yeah. there's this all, all this stuff that you have to educate yourself on when you know when you want to become or start to realize that hey i like this stuff like yeah. i'm not a blue hawaiian <laughs> drinker <laughs> 
on occasion, perhaps. I mean, yeah. uh, pickleback shots. Yeah, see, that's, that's right. That's... I mean, I, I keep thinking about like a daiquiri, which I grew up in. A daiquiri was something that wasn't particularly classy. It's something that dudes in Bahamas, kind of Bahama mama shirts wore and like all this kinds of stuff. But, but now it's different now. You drink a daiquiri that's prepared correctly with those three ingredients shaken perfectly. It's a, it blows your mind. So it's yeah. like it's just strange how all this stuff in a sense has been elevated to this whole. Maybe it's not like that in all the other cities. But I know in Texas, you go to Houston, you go to Dallas, even Fort Worth, you're going to get an elevated cocktail experience. So in a way, it's become more culinary grounded, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's the... I, I think it's the next frontier. I mean, there was the big foodie revolution yeah. with um, Food Network and all that. And I think that people are now starting to learn. I mean, there's always been people that uh, studied wine or thought, yeah, thought wine they studied sure. wine. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's always been sort of this, um, I don't know, sort of gastronome thing to do. Yeah. But um, spirits really not necessarily... It's a, um, until relatively recently. Yeah, it's still very hard to to know why. Th- a lot of people just make stuff and they don't know why it tastes good. Here's an interesting thing I learned, and I'll share this. I haven't shared this with, with anybody since like, Lydia downstairs. So I, was, I met with, I, was, I spent the day in Waco, oddly enough, uh-huh. on Monday, spending with Chip Tate. Okay. So interviewed Chip for the show, got to check out the amazing 8,000 square foot new facilities. Yeah. Got, building his stills from scratch, from... Plates of copper. Yeah, I mean, yeah. the, the dude's insane, right? And we sat down a chat, brilliant chat. We spent the whole night. Just we hung on all day. But the thing that he told me, and I thought this is brilliant. So with food, you have to do the same thing in a very detailed way every time to make sure and ensure consistency. Mm-hmm. So you know why something tastes better than something else. Mm-hmm. Typically, it's pretty easy to understand. You let that broth stew for two more days, obviously more fat came out, right? Mm-hmm. Makes some sense. Yeah. But... With the case of like Pappy Van Winkle or some other stag, William LeRue Weller, all these kinds of things, they represent, this is all loose math, but let's say they represent 3% of everything that Buffalo Trace can make. Okay. So you're like, cool. It's not a lot. It's a, they make millions of bottles. It's that, thousands. Okay, cool. Mm. Can you guys make more of that? Like, well, we have to make more of everything to get more of that. Mm-hmm. So think about that. It was so it's like an eye-opening thing. You have to make twice as much to get twice as much of the stuff that everybody else wants because... They don't have it tuned in that way. Mm. So you talk about how you need to disambiguate this amazingly <laughs> vague world of spirits. Even the guys that are great at it don't even know. Yeah, is yeah. that fucking crazy? Yeah. Just think like, well, this is a good bottle. Why is it good? <clears throat> it's just, it's just good. <laughs> <laughs> it's so strange to me, you know, because yeah. you have this renaissance. Yeah, and bourbon is becoming this commodity. People mm. want more expensive bourbons and all this older bourbons. Which, yeah. uh, how do you feel about? Older being better. Oh, I don't necessarily think that's that's true. I mean, there's there's value in young bourbons, sure. and um, it, it's another thing. I mean, you know, a lot of it is just like this social thing now. I mean, older is better. Wine older is better. Right. Scotch older is better. And just bollocks. You know, it's um, and there's some great age things, but like a lot of that, a lot of what drives the market has nothing to do with taste. Mm-hmm. It has to do with status and, you know, look at me. I'm cool with my, what? you know, aged bourbon. Right. Do you, th- do you feel like 
there are some patterns in fine dining that are that way too. Some devices, if you will, that kind of bring people in that aren't. They're not. They're, it's superficial. Uh, I mean, yeah, a lot of it. I mean, the there's a lot of fine dining is just these. I don't want to say gimmicks, but just sort of cliches that bring people to. In, in the doors, like uh, molecular gastronomy. Right, right. I mean, just approaches that. You my, know, food, can, my drink's outside of my cup. Yeah. I want my own in my cup. It can yeah. make it a remarkable experience, yeah. but more times than not, it's just, you know, way to do something that is flashier. Yeah. Um, yeah do but, you have a place, and it, this probably defeats the purpose of asking this question, but do you have a place that's still under the radar? That you like to go to? Um, there's very little under the radar in in Austin. Yeah. I mean, we have I don't something like 150 food blogs that operate out of God. That's insane. 150 something like that. The Austin Food Bloggers Alliance. Yeah, has something something like that, and it, God, they all have to be active blogs yeah. to be Still, part of this that's group. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of blogs. I mean, how many voices do you need? I well, I mean, it's it's, it's both good and <laughs> good and bad. I okay. mean, they're not all covering the same thing. Okay, a lot okay. of these people are doing um, cooking blogs or oh, which is know, different. Okay, yeah, that's which is fair. which yeah, is different. Fair. But um, there's still there's Thrillist and Eater, and you know, there's like so many so many places to read about about food. Um, and yeah, I don't I don't even know what. The question was so it's like almost impossible. Oh, no, it's okay, <laughs> but it's impossible basically with all of the outlets to well, have oh, a place to, that to, yeah to have a to have this under the radar yeah. place. I mean, like I, I live west, so I feel like Nows is kind of under the radar oh, yeah, still yeah. for like good a shakes, a, a good shakes, cheap burger, cheap good burger. Yeah, but, um, yeah. There's not a lot of places as soon as like. One person gets wind of it, like right. everybody knows about it, and everybody in food media and food in Austin in general talks to each other. So if someone discovers something, like the whole pack knows about it in right. like a week. It's it's uh, yeah, it's real hard to be under the radar unless you're awful. <laughs> yeah, and then there is a place. There's one place that we'll talk about after off the mic that you can bring your own mezcal, and uh, they have the best barbacoa and cabrito that I've ever had mm. so yeah it's making me hungry so i'm not I'm oh, stop talking oh, about it. Oh. but i have two two more questions for you sure. and what is do you feel like because there's there are so many people at various levels of skill mm-hmm. mind you some people write wonderfully some people write very very poorly that that actually reduces the overall level of quality of food journalism or do you think it's all pretty good um, I mean, yeah, obviously there's various degrees of of quality and there's various things that people are interested in. Yeah. I mean, there's value and in, in shareable content that's fun and, you know, there's lists and, you know, I always read heat maps and I, I, I read all that stuff. Yeah. But I, the stuff I like doing, um, it's increasingly hard to do in this market, which is tell stories in food. We're not telling stories. We're just saying this is a thing that tastes good. That's right. Like, yeah. Um, there's no narrative, really. There's not like. a lot of narrative. And I really, really like narrative in food. Um, Me too. I, I like 
Yeah, it, writers like MFK Fisher, you know, that's a cliche. Everyone reads her, but yeah. there's a reason, and sure. that's because she... Above and beyond, at least, from uh, a narrative perspective. Right, just as beautiful, beautiful writing, and that's that's what's important to me, is writing first, the story first, and yeah. the, you know, food is just around it. I mean, I... Sometimes yeah. it's a little weird, like in my reviews, where sometimes people don't know if I like the restaurant or not. Because but I, I kind of like that. I mean, to, to just have some kind of like some exposition. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, because I, I take, I love food and I love spirits. And mm. I, I love the people that are working on this stuff. And I was ecstatic about Backbeat opening. Mm. Mike and Jess are wonderful people. They've been very supportive of me personally. But mm. th- th- even without that. They make really, really fucking good places. They're fun. one of my favorite. Yeah, yeah. Drinko's still like anybody comes into town from anywhere in the world might like, go there. Yeah. The vibes there. Backbeat replicates it perfectly. Mm-hmm. A little more class, elegance, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. And so um, everybody should know or should at least get a peek into a wonderful that spot is via writing. So then, and I'm sure everybody's friends, and that's fine. Eater puts out a re- like a review, and it is so clinical. I would have rather had my prostate checked and read that fucking article because it's like there's amazing cocktails. It's just kind of like, oh, and this exists. Oh, they have an upstairs. Well, I mean, Eater. I mean, come on. Eater doesn't review. I mean, they. Well, sure. They're not a review like sort of thing. It's a news organization with Eater. So, but there's nothing. There was nothing newsworthy by the way they wrote well, it. You know, I mean, it's saying this. This this bar yeah. bar exists. Um, it's it, it, you know, but like if I'm a big media company, I think big media companies want like that shareable content because yeah. that's what people read. Like you know, like one of Nadia's articles at Eater gets like so many more thousand page views than anything right. I I ever write. Um, but and, do you think that it really impacts things? Because- well, I mean, I or, think, or rather that the, the article or the content itself really, despite what is scannability and what it may be a limited inter- interaction, and we can talk about web metrics, which fucking bore everybody, right? But we're sure. I just don't think it's compelling despite the numbers. It doesn't matter, right? Well, it's not I, engaging. I, I so think like, it does. It, well, it's engaging for people like Eat Eater gets the news out before anyone yeah. else. It's. Um, Reportage, and I think that um, I think it's remarkable to get these scoops out there <laughs> yeah. so quickly. And like, I I read it a lot because I'm like, ooh, what yeah. did, you know, what oh, did you find it's, out about? Yeah, like, that's, right. That's amazing. Um, but in that, you know, at least Eater Austin, of course, Eater National is doing more long long form and I've, I've seen a little on either um yeah actually, that's austin right i have too. seen like a um, little on austin but yeah. more new york for sure. yeah There's new york is where it yeah. started and um I, I i think they recognize i, I think there's room for both yeah. basically is what i'm saying like i love love to read the news and gossip and i love to read intelligent like um you know like ruth reichel like yeah. intelligent food writing well, it's a good. I'm I'm glad because I, I I bounce these ideas off the, the guest because I, I feel a certain way. But it's always good to hear how people feel about it. And you obviously have some more insight into food writing, obviously, than I do. But here, here's the last thing that, um, and I and I'm not asking you to take sides. I think I just want to have like an understanding of what the fallout will be from the Paul Key thing. Like, uh, just take it. In, take could be anybody, right? So, take a guy that is a celebrity mm-hmm. in food. And he's in a situation that is unbecoming of his character. 
Okay, that's true no matter what, right? Mm-hmm. I don't, no matter what happened, that's not what I'm saying. Do do you think that? What do you think the backlash will be from all this stuff? Do you think that Key and Eastside Kings and everything will recover from what is really horrible press and probably rightfully so? I'm not making a call mm-hmm. on that, right? But what do you think is going to happen long term? It's it's hard to say. I mean, it was at a it happened at a very peculiar moment where um, you know just opened a toko uh, uh, the not too long ago he opened that Miami restaurant and it's um, I don't know it'll be interesting I think to see what happens to the namesake restaurant key. Eastside King, to a certain extent, probably has, insulated, right? Yeah, it's yeah. it's kind of divorced from Paul Key, the brand, and like Tycoon, obviously, is a totally different. Yeah, people probably don't different realize. chef, but um, Atoko at least is somewhat built on the cult of personality, yeah. and Key definitely is. I mean, it's a oh, namesake yeah, sure. restaurant, and I, I, you know, I. I, I don't know. It fills in some... It's kind of unique, right? Well, I mean, we had yeah. one with Philip Spear. We had that s- scenario. But he, right. I don't think he hurt anybody. I can't remember exactly. No, no, But no. But still, yeah. like, a, a good pattern of, of, of abuse, you know, um, substance abuse. Um, and he kind of got, you know, he got swept under the rug for now, at least. Probably wise in treatment and stuff. But Well, uh, yeah, I think that, um, you know, Philip Spear, like... Really did the work, um, you can tell, like, um, and now his, what I've had, which is very little from him yeah, after, yeah. but a little bit, I think his cooking is stronger than ever. And Good. I think that, you know, I, I hesitate to comment on that. I don't know exactly what happened, but, you yeah, know, obviously either. he turned it into, I think, um, he worked his way up, but he wasn't quite... A celebrity. No. I mean, not pa- near Paul's a celebrity. In, Paul's yeah, in international, TMZ. Yeah. right? Yeah, um, TV TV star. People know who this person is, and um, yeah, it will be interesting. I mean, you know, our culture like doesn't necessarily shame celebrities for bad behavior. I mean, yeah. there's some redemption, like Chris Brown, obviously. Is how, still, how that fucking dude? Can you have redemption? I don't. I'm. Some things I get in the universe, right? I get gravity. I get one plus one, certain math. How ramen tattoo is always good. Get it, right? Mm. <laughs> How Chris Brown can sustain a career for being a dick, I just don't get it. I'm sorry. I just don't. It's, you know, yeah, it's, one strike, okay, kind of maybe the world will like be okay. You go through right. therapy and find God or whatever. Like Two strikes, three? Come mm. on. Who the fuck are we? Like What was that, what yeah. was that show about us? Sorry. Yeah. but and, yeah. you know and ultimately with Paul Key that's like you know that's the first public fall from grace that anyone sort of sort of heard about so I don't know if it will I, I can see it hurting Key in the short term yeah. um, I don't think it will hurt any of the other properties because yeah. um, you're drinking anyway at the crack hole, you got a couple of whiskeys. You're gonna get some. Yeah. Some food. <laughs> try to stop. Like try to stop them from eating food. But it, you know, I think that the, the the largest thing, like either Philip aside or Paulky aside, like it's a larger problem of substance abuse. Like in this, and this is nothing new, right? Like substance abuse, either across the bar or behind 
the, the, the counter in the kitchen, you know, like all, all these things. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, people, it's people involved in this industry from whatever standpoint they're involved in it, whether they're writing about it or a chef or whatever. I yeah. mean, we share one thing in common and that is that we are pleasure seekers. Oh, and, good point. Yeah. Um, when pleasure is, you know, you want that pleasure all all the time. Of course, there's going to be a lot of drugs and there's going to be like all sorts of things yeah. like for that, that search for pleasure. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to be healthy in this industry. It's really, really yeah. difficult. Do you think that you'll be able to keep it, keep it clean, keep it healthy? Oh, uh, it's so. Despite how much ramen like, you get. <laughs> Oh, I mean, I wrote a piece about that when I had my heart attack. Like, it was just so difficult for me to, like, eat. I mean, health food is just this awful, awful, awful thing. I'll exercise. Like, I'll drink more water. I'll do all those sort of things. But, like, I don't want bad, bland food. Yeah. I, I, it makes me miserable <laughs> when I when I have to eat that. Like, once you're... Once you are woke to this whole world of food and beverage, I don't. You it's, can't go you back. Can't go back yeah. to like you know. Even if you're like dead poor, you just can't go back. You have to have like foie or whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's shaved truffle somewhere. Yeah, Please. like do you? Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's real, really, 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 really hard to um, stay healthy. I mean, yeah. you know, I'll I'll eat salads or whatever when when I'm off duty, but, um, <laughs> um, I'm rarely off duty. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's difficult. It's definitely difficult. I can imagine. And it's, you know, it's always, I, I love hearing about that particular part of food writing from the inside. I think we're on a really interesting piece of part in history, like in the narrative of, of Austin, all that spirits, food, all that. And man, it's been good chatting with you. And thank you for coming. Cause Sometimes I just talk to bartenders, but I love food, and I think it's really worth talking about the other side of it because it's all parallel. You know, yeah. it's also closely related. Yeah. So, and I hopefully, hopefully, you enjoyed. The yeah, it was delicious. Food. Yeah, thanks so much. You gonna hit bar flies up here shortly? <sighs> no, I can't. Can't do it two days in a row. <laughs> I can see that's, that was a sigh, like just a just stress. That's stuff. too much. <laughs> that's too much. much. Well, Brandon, it's been it's been brilliant chatting with you. It's man. been a pleasure. Thank thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank you. Well, there we have it. What do you guys think of Brandon? Amazing guy, right? Somebody you want to just sit and have a meal with, sit and have a drink with. And of course, you have this narrative about health scares, smoking. What kind of irony is that to have so much access to all the amazing food in Austin, but have to keep it at length? Don't indulge too much. Always be conscious of health. I think that's an interesting parallel to the hospitality industry in which you are a kid in a candy store with so many bottles of booze and such a difficult lifestyle, staying up late, waking up late. Your body really bears the burden. So it's great to hear how he's kind of coping with that and how he is adjusting some things. So thanks, everybody, for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter what you're thinking about Hand of God Season 2, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how much I like Season 1. Or if you're wondering what Netflix show is going to pay homage to the 80s again, Please, keep dancing.